You are listening to the Hodges Huddle, where we discuss all things happening in the wide world of sports. Here is your KLSU sports team. Welcome in to the Hodges Huddle. I'm your host, Andre Champagne, and today we are we are joined with Patricia Caputo and Ripley Cupid. How are y'all doing today? I'm good, Andre. How are you? Doing great. I'm doing good. Y'all, this is the last podcast of the year, and no Tyler this week. I know. So he just, left us. It's been a year. It's been a year. It, it has. Sure. It's been very exciting. So we're going to wrap things up this year with talking about baseball. Uh, LSU baseball went on to win the series 2-1 to one against Georgia this weekend. Georgia was fourth in the RPI entering the weekend, mm-hmm. and LSU had a great Sunday game that just – Put them over the top. They walked it off on mm-hmm. Sunday, so we're gonna start from the Friday game. We won six to two. Mm-hmm. Mikael Hillier just dominant once again. What is it about that kid? I mean, he's so dominant. I've been preaching this for weeks. Just his consistency. He helps the team all around because he's such a dominant player. He's a veteran. He's been here since 2018, I believe, and he just helps the bats produce and takes the pressure off the defense. And I know he does rely on the defense a lot, but also when you have a guy and you're coming in to now every Friday expecting a win, it's great, and it's great for this team. Ripley? Yeah. I do think that with him being here, like, a while has helped him because he did have that year off where he was kind of, like, not playing, not practicing. Yeah, the COVID year. Yeah. It was COVID year. And then I think that that helped him to gain more confidence, and now he's back in just killing it mm-hmm. yeah I think he just really mixes his pitches so well it keeps hitters guessing and that he throws not hard right. not too hard and when he mixes his pitches mm-hmm. it keeps him guessing because you're expecting a fastball coming in at like only 87 86 when his slider and fat slider is almost the same speed mm-hmm. so that's going to help you as a pitcher and he just dominates his own he throws strikes he gets you out of jams He's that guy. And and that's what the one thing I've loved about Jay Johnson lately, at least on Friday, is that he'll admit that he didn't think that Mikhail Hillard had a great few innings, that he said yep. he was a little shaky sometimes, but he keeps Hillard in because yep. he has that faith in him that he can go up there and he can get it fixed. And that's what's also great about Hillard is that he just calms down. He says that he focuses on his breathing and then can control himself and throw strikes. Right. And he's just the guy. He's... Tyler didn't want to admit it. He didn't want to call him an ace, but I hate to tell you, Tyler, he's our ace. He is our ace completely, 100%. He's a guy that you have to rely on now. I agree. Especially to get that first win in the series. Mm-hmm. Because especially with Blake Money's performance lately, mm-hmm. you're not going to win a Saturday game. Right. It's just, it's, I'm sorry, if you can't go more than three innings, you're, you can't expect much mm-hmm. from your bullpen. I agree, and we've talked about this, that we think that Friday game is a lot more crucial than it's talked up to yep. be, and I think in these last few weeks that's proven. Right, so moving on to the Saturday game. What was the score, Patricia? I know we did lost by a good bit. The final was 12-7, Georgia. 12-7, and it was a close game until Georgia blew the floodgates open, and they just hit on our bullpen. We had it. We had it in, I think it was the second inning, where you had 
Thompson, excuse me, not Thompson, you had Stevenson, Josh Stevenson, hit a three-run home run. Right, you I took mean, the lead 4-3. He's your nine-hole hitter. Yes, you took the lead. It was 3-3, and then Josh Pearson tied it 4-3 yeah, after back, he hit a home back run. back-to-back jacks, yep. And that's where the pitching really hurts us because when you have a guy like Blake Money who you can't rely on, who can only come in for three innings, right. he can't help you keep that Even lead. with the lead. It mm-hmm. just – we can move on to that. Blake Money, he's been so mm-hmm. disappointing. Personally, I think it's because he still has a wrist injury because I, I've had wrist injuries before, and ever since then, your wrist is never going to be 100% if you don't take time to recover it uh, because it's it's just something you need, especially pitching-wise. It, it was his throwing hand. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, do y'all think it's more injury? Because y'all saw him. He Even if it's Maine and Towson and whoever we played, he was dominant. He mixed his pitch as well. He elevated the fastball zone, and now he's either throwing it right down the middle or just completely missing his zones. What do y'all think it is? I It has to be the wrist. It has to be the injury. Like, I know last year he was he was on the roll. He was doing pretty yep. good last year. And I think that's why this year they were like, okay, Blake Money, Blake Money this. Like, he's our guy, but – yeah, after the first two starts, I mean, he had no ERA. I mean, even he was dominant in the Shriners Classic, and he gets the wrist injury. Mm-hmm. And we didn't play – like, Oklahoma's not a horrible team. Right. And he played his heart out for that game. Mm-hmm. After he got hurt, I haven't seen a good start from him. Yeah. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. looking at it, and you have to think it's it's the injury. I think your personal experience is the best. That yeah, I mean, it's just – it's a hard injury to come back from, and I think he's going to need time. Because he's, I think he's forcing it. Another, another guy that I noticed was playing this weekend, Drew Bianco. Yeah, and mm-hmm. he just got off an injury. Yes, he did. Yes, and um, he he didn't do horrible. Yeah, he, he did have yeah. a really good catch in the yes, Sunday game. Sunday, and they mm-hmm. took him out after it because he kind of fell on I, his arm. Yeah, and I think he was hurt with his hamstring, so he kind of looked. He kind of looks shaken up. Yeah. Sh- shaken up. Jay Johnson or, said that that it was his hamstring. A while back, it was his shoulder was, where I think he yeah. had surgery. And he literally went shoulder first into the ground. Yes. So it's not great. So he's gone through it. But Jay Johnson did say he was okay after that catch. So that's yeah. a good sign. I mean, he was running around there with the boom box, if y'all <laughs> saw after we walked it off. Yes. Crunk uh, Ain't Dead. That's the song we yes. and, played on it. And so, <laughs> I uh, agree. It's. And then just going back to Saturday, it was a bad game. You had Saturday. three. The bullpen just didn't show up. Bryce Collins struggled from the jump. Mm-hmm. Uh, Riley Cooper is the guy that usually goes to shut him down. I think he walked a few, and then he gave up a monster hit. Yeah. Um, so just a bad day Saturday. Three of Georgia's sure. hitters had two home runs each. Exactly. That's that's. that's and That's a bad day. When I was working in the press box last weekend when we played Mizzou, there were these two guys, I think they didn't work the stats, and they were talking about, do you think that you can rely on this bullpen so that Blake Money only has to go for three innings? Right. And one guy said, yes, I really do. And the other guy said, mm, I don't know about that. And after this week, this bullpen was a disappointment. I'm not saying it's always going to be like that. Yeah, but it, you're going to have good days and you're going to have bad days. Exactly. Saturday was a bad day. Mm-hmm. Even Jacob Hasty who he did pretty well, I would say. We took him out too early, I think. I think so, too. Um, but it was getting out of hand when he did hit two batters in a row. Right. So it 
he made the call. But but I think that's where something where you have to have a guy like Mikhail Hillard, you're going to keep him in. Keep Jacob Hasty, and I know he hasn't yeah. played a whole lot, but he got you through three innings. That was the most of any pitcher. We pitched seven pitchers yeah, on Saturday. Exactly. I think you have to keep him in and try to have trust in your guy. Right. So moving on to the Sunday game, just electric. I mean, Kay Doty <laughs> walks it off, pimps the home run into the left field landing. Uh, just and, and he was struggling. He was struggling that whole weekend. Yep. He comes in, and he just shuts it down. Doty went one for four. Doty went one for four. And that one that yep. he hit was and all I'll that mattered. And take that hit every single day of yeah, the week. I exactly. mean, uh, Patricia, you know – that was something we needed. Um, that was a must-win series for us. So uh, Just because we shot up to 16 in the RPI, mm-hmm. the top 16 seeds host. So, um, and, and Georgia was ranked number 11. Right. So having that sweep against Mizzou was great, but this just makes us look really good. Right, and pitching did phenomenal. Uh, yep. We talked about it. Samuel Dutton gave us a great outing again. Mm-hmm. Um, Grant Taylor kind of struggled a little bit. Then we put Devin Fontenot in. Devin Fontenot did amazing, mm-hmm. and we talked about that last week on the podcast, which was a guy that we wanted to step up in yep. big-time you know, occasions, and he did. Exactly. Other than the pickoff that resulted in a run, mm-hmm. he did everything he needed to do, and he, he, shut, he shut the lineup. I agree. Down. Do you think that we're going to get to a point where Sam Dutton starts on Saturday and then maybe Blake Money is a Sunday guy? See, I, I really do. Okay. I, I do think that will happen. I think – you know, there's been conversations that I've had with other, you know, LSU baseball fans mm-hmm. saying that that eventually needs to happen. I think when that needs to happen is at towards the end of the season. If we keep losing those Saturday games, because you don't want to keep lose, you don't want to keep that I mean, trend. It could happen this Saturday when you look at it. We play you Alabama could, on the but, road. But um, I would I would trust Blake with Alabama. Alabama just okay. got swept by South Carolina, so they're going to be hungry. And then you think maybe versus Ole Miss because that's our second to last series. Yeah, I think so. I okay, think. so then you'll have, let's just hypothetically, you'll have Sam Dutton in for that Ole Miss series on Saturday, yeah. and then you'll have them away at Vanderbilt on Saturday as well. But that's a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, so you'll have them on Friday. Yeah. Okay. So the remaining schedule, I was going to ask you. So Kendall Rogers, which is the D1 editor, uh, baseball, mm-hmm. that's the biggest of the bigs in the college baseball world. Um he said, I think he told Matt Moscona, okay. 16 wins is is the goal. Yes. In conference yep. to host. That is so doable for this LSU baseball oh, I team. Agree. We're sitting at 12-9 and nine right mm-hmm. now. And you have Bama next week over there, Ole Miss at home, and then a Vandy team that just isn't the same this year. They're not even ranked. They just lost so many guys. Yeah, and they lost their arms. Talk about an ace. They had part. Jack Leiter last year. And Kumar Rocker. Yep. They could not be touched, those mm-hmm. two. And so – Realistically, I'm going to ask you what you think our record's going to be. Let's start with Bama. Bama, what do you think happens? I think they could sweep Bama. I do too, but Bama is coming off, I think they're like 1-6 in six or something like right. that, or 1-5 in five in their last six. Right. So I'm, they're hungry. But they're I, hungry, and I think we should sweep, but we're going to only win two. Correct, but I've said this for so many weeks that we're at this point we're playing against ourselves. Yeah, you know, minimize the errors. We can win every game. 
I, I really agree. believe that. I if agree. we clean up the fielding, we can win every game. If pitching stays consistent and maybe you put in a guy like Sam Dutton on a Saturday yep. or you can get it five innings at least out of Blake money, yep. you can win the series, especially versus Alabama because I know you're saying they're hungry, but we just beat the number 11th yeah, ranked we're hot. team. We're, we're very hot, too. We I think we're – seven and one in the last or no sorry i can't five and one in the net in the last six sec games that we played I mean, so that just again we're finally seeing that consistency yeah, we're getting hot we and at the right the time like right. we said we didn't want to be playing our best ball like tennessee too early we exactly. didn't want to which tennessee's hot but they are they we're not going to talk about talk that about teams like that never win so the <laughs> next weekend after that we play ole miss and mm-hmm. ole miss fans are not happy with my with Mike Bianco they are calling for the firing of his job so um with that you know Ole Miss they played a decent series with Arkansas this weekend Mm -hmm. uh what do you think happens when we play them at home I would say that we're gonna win two but I was um, this time I'm gonna go Friday Saturday that we'll win because I'm gonna say that we put Dutton in on Saturday and just for those of you who don't know Mike Bianco is Drew Bianco's father yes I'm gonna say that we're gonna sweep I, I okay. think we sweep Ole Miss. They are just god awful this mm-hmm. year. If we're hot, and then we move to Vanderbilt. So Vanderbilt, right. and that's in Nashville. That's the last of this of the season. Mm-hmm. What do you think happens? Again, I'm gonna say two. It's a Thursday, Friday, you're gonna Saturday say two. game. I'm gonna say one. Okay. And I'm gonna be completely fine with that because that would put us at 18 wins in conference. Perfect. That is well enough to, by the way be a national seed and host a super regional top eight seed so that would put you in the sec tournament with that that's also taken into account with sec tournament wins if you mm-hmm. get one over there and a top four seed mm-hmm. you are chilling like you are <laughs> literally chilling and i think this lsu baseball team is not done yet Oh, no. And I think it's all about finding themselves. Again, all these teams are beatable. Truly, if we swept all of them, I wouldn't be totally shocked, right? right? And, again, it's just cleaning up our errors. Yep. I would say the biggest concern for this team is hitting against lefties. Mm -hmm. Hitting against lefties when you're a lefty. Trey Morgan hit 400 last year against lefties. You want to know what he's hitting this year? 100. Yeah, that's pretty bad. That's horrible. That's pretty bad. And so he's slumping big time. But I think Trey's going to get hot and when we I need him to. So it's all right. But I think they all will. Joe Bear, too. Right. We're going to move on to the NBA. NBA. Right. So our both of our teams are out, <sighs> Tricia. The New Orleans Pelicans gave a great fight uh, against the Suns. Better than the Nets. Right. They did. But um, now I think – you want to uh, take over here? Yeah, yeah, sure. Okay, so we had the Bucks in game one on Sunday. We talked a little bit about that on our show on Sunday, but the Bucks ended up beating the Celtics. I love to see it, not to be biased, but I did. 101 to 89. Let's just talk about – It was. Let's talk about Giannis. Can they run back? Oh, for sure. If they're the team to do it, that's the team to do it. I don't think – I think the Suns will get exposed, but I think <laughs> the East is such an easy – if you get past the Celtics, you're going to get past the Heat. The Heat are Mickey Mouse. I don't know how they got the one seed. See, I'm, no, I think that's a myth. I We talked about that myth? on the I, yes. I don't think so. I am so sick of everyone saying that it was just a bubble team and that's why they made it to the finals. I'm not saying they're a bubble team. I just don't think they were as good as the one seed this year, which is crazy. But they were. You see the I other. get that they were. 
But who's going to stop Giannis? You, but you have so much talent on that team. You have Tyler You can say Hero, the same thing Jimmy. about the you Bucks, can. though. You can. But I think that I would love to see that, right? I, I just think that the, it's beatable for the Heat. And maybe yeah. this is just the Heat's year. But you're right. The Bucks do. They just have maybe they have so. a lot of talent and they have a lot of veterans yep. that come in here. And then that's where I think a team like the Celtics, even though they've been to the playoffs, you can't beat experience. Mm-hmm. And when you have a team that was there just last year and then you have the Celtics who are always losing in the first or second rounds, it could be difficult. And you have to guard a guy like Giannis. I agree. And so realistically, what do you think that series is going to turn out to be i'm gonna say bucks and five bucks and five yes well marcus smart is out tonight yes so that's huge because that's your best defender mm -hmm. and who is going to guard drew holiday that's exactly man um i'm gonna say bucks and six okay bucks and six more i'm gonna say more reasonable just because i think i don't think boston's gonna let them i don't think they're gonna lose another home game Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I'm gonna say that. Yeah. Yeah. I just think the Bucks are so strong, and oh, they are, and they're getting hot. They are. And moving on to another consistently hot team are the Warriors, and there's a lot of controversy about that game. Oh man. That we could talk about Draymond Green and all that, but they did end up beating the Grizzlies in Game yes, One on Sunday, 117 to 116. Did you see Draymond Green's flagrant two? I did not. I heard about it. Uh, what did he do? Okay. Now, I've talked to some Warriors fans. They said that it was not a flagrant. He was helping him out. By what I've seen, he grabbed – I forget which player it was, but he grabbed his jersey. I think it was Baines. And then tried to help him up. And it personally, that was a flagrant too, because you grabbed someone's jersey. I mean, if you grabbed his jersey, I would say it's flagrant. And he fell. Maybe, I mean – to me, it might be a fight. He could have gone Jay Crowder, just flopped. And know? I guess that's what a lot of people were saying, that, yeah. it, oh, it, it should have been a flagrant one. He shouldn't have been ejected. Draymond Green said yeah. he got ejected for worse and then I went on his podcast. Draymond's dirty games are beyond him after the Steven Adams incident. Right. I don't think he's a dirty player by any means. I guess mm-hmm. the situation just kind of got taken into. And I think Trey Young said something about that, how you were supposed to officiate the play and not the player, and they think that the refs are just – yeah going harder on they took it out of proportion Mm -hmm. yeah right so that series what do you see okay i think the grizzlies are going to win but i am going to say in five again just because the splash brothers they don't call them the splash brothers for nothing the warriors in five the warriors did i say the grizzlies i'm sorry i meant to say the the warriors in five and then i just don't see the grizzlies winning forcing a game six forcing a game seven because you have the Splash Brothers, and then you got Jordan Poole, and he scored 31 points. He was the team's leading scorer. That's, yeah, mm-hmm. those two compared. And then you have Jordan Poole, a guy that'll come off the bench yeah, and just that's what I mean. wipe the floor with the bench that's players. What I mean. He was the team's leading scorer, and he didn't even exactly. start. Exactly. He and came then, off the bench as a six man. Exactly. And then not to mention Stephen Curry, who had 24, and then you had Clay, who had 15, and Andrew Wiggins, who had 17. This team is just so good, and I know I preach this a lot, but experience is key. And this team has been – they might be one of the, the teams together for the longest right now yeah, in the I, NBA. I, and they're the most experienced. You have Draymond, Clay, yep. and and uh, Dray- Draymond, Clay, and Steph. Mm-hmm. And those guys know what it is like to win a championship. And they've you done it together. also Iguodala yep. on the team, which is just veteran leadership. Exactly. So and they, they've done it together. I think the Warriors are going to win, but I'm going to say in six. Okay. I'm going to say in six. I don't think, I don't think they're going to – 
Yeah. It's going to be a good series. I think Tyler said this before, but I agree with him. I think the Grizzlies are just a few years out. Yeah, I, I agree. Mm-hmm. They're they're a power four. I, I don't know. They're like a small forward and a power forward away from elite. Right. And then we had a blowout game yesterday against the Sixers and the Heat. And the Heat won that game 106-92, to 92, but Joel Embiid did not play, and yep. he's out indefinitely. They're in trouble. Sixers are in trouble. Um, I think they're going to go down 0-2 real quick. Mm-hmm. And when Joel comes back, I don't think he's going to be the same. Do you think Joel will come back? Yeah, I think he'll come back like okay. game four, maybe game three. Right, and I, I agree. I don't think he's going to be the same. And the way he got hurt against the Raptors. He literally broke his face. And they were up by 29. Yeah. I think it was every team that's been up by 29 in that scenario, they've won 3,900 yeah. times in and NBA history. And the Sixers' history. chemistry is just off right now. And James Harden, and I'm not just saying this because he was a former net, he's just not a leader. He's not a good teammate. He's not. Actually, Chris Paul. <laughs> right. And that's my biggest problem with James Harden. When you've played with Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant, Chris Paul, I can keep going. They've yep. And then Russell Westbrook in Houston as well. Exactly. And you haven't won a chip yet. And then you played with KD and you played with Kyrie. And exactly. I know there was injuries and things of that nature. But there's just no excuse. And now. I want to request a trade from that team, too. It's like. Twice. That's problematic in, in it's because he wasn't getting the ball enough exactly he's a ball hog exactly and i and now here's your opportunity to be a ball hog because you have to be the leader of this and team you're shooting what three for 16 or something like that he shot he went 16 he shot 16 points against the heat and then played 35 minutes by the way 16 points and then nine rebounds and then five assists yeah just inefficient and that that's just that's what I'm saying. You need a leader. You need so a guy that can the step heat. up. I would say Heat and four. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm I definitely. I could I'm totally. That, but if Joel Embiid doesn't come back, definitely Heat and four. And what are last the Suns and, and then Mavs. the last game? Yes, was the Suns and the Mavs on Monday. Should be should be the Pelicans. <laughs> the Pelicans. It was 121 to 114. And I'm trying to see. Did Devin Bo- Devin Booker did play? And he had 23 points. That almost had a triple double. I know that you didn't want the Suns to win, but that's a really impressive for a guy who's oh. not even supposed to be playing right now. Suns are going to win in four. I in hate to four? Say yep. Even with Luka? Yeah. Wow. He okay. scored 45, and they still he, lost. And that's why you need you need a guy to get over 20. Nobody can cover DeAndre Ayton. He scored 45 in 44 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, the problem was that was the team. Luka also had 12 rebounds, 8 assists. The Mavs don't have a center. They just don't. Yeah, and then – there, the next guy up was fin, Finney Smith, and he scored 15 points. You need a guy, another guy, to at Finney least Smith score is. 20. <laughs> yeah, Dorian yeah. Finney Smith. That, that's He's just a forward. So, what do you think is going to happen in that series? I, I think I'm going to say the Suns in five. I think the Mavs will at least win one. The problem is they need more guys to produce points because yeah. if you can't stop Chris Paul or Devin Booker, yeah, Brunson shot like 12 for 12, 12 points or something like that. And and they held they held Chris Paul to 19 points. But then mm-hmm. you had DeAndre Ayton, who had 25, and then you had Devin Booker at 23. They had five starters in double digits last night. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah. And then when you can go into a game and you go, oh, we only have to guard Luka? Okay. And and I now, mean, that's now they know what they need to do. And Monty is an elite coach. Mm-hmm. He's going to pick up on that. So yep. I think they're just going to get outcoached this whole and then this whole series. Just looking in today, we have the Bucks will play the Celtics at yep. 6 o'clock. So yep. right now this is Tuesday, so about 15 minutes. What do you think is going to happen in that game? Uh, I think I think Boston comes back and wins it, but they're going to need a huge game from that Pritchard kid from mm-hmm. Oregon. 
Right. Yeah. yeah. See, I'm going to go with the Bucks just because I'm a Marcus Smart is out. Yeah. You're losing a guy, and again, preaching experience today. The Bucks just have it all figured out. Yeah. And then for the final game today is 8.30 p.m. against the Warriors and the Grizzlies. I'm That'll going all game. Warriors. I'm going to say Grizzlies shake back today. Okay. Yeah. okay. They're, they are in Memphis, so yeah. if that has that could mean something for Memphis. Yeah, it might. So we're going to move on to our final topic today, and that was the NFL draft occurred last week, mm-hmm. and LSU, even from a 6-7 and seven year, mm-hmm. they are the second most team draft picks by a school. Right behind w- Georgia. Right, who were the national champions, by the way, mm-hmm. with 10, 10 drafted and four people signed to an unrestricted free agency mm-hmm. contract. So... Patricia, what do you think about that? I know you're probably going to say this, so I don't mean to steal it from you, but this was an off year for us. It was, yeah. And the fact that we were able still to draft 10 guys just truly shows how dominant of a football school we still are. That just shows you it was coaching and more not our guys underperforming, I guess. Mm -hmm. And it just – that's the talent that LSU brings out every year. And you better get used to it because Mm -hmm. we are NFL SU. I agree. So – I mean, it's it's nice to see, and mm-hmm. even on a down year. So I guess we have that to look forward to from that off season. Mm-hmm. We said that all the time on the tailgate show on Fridays is that the experience was never an issue here. Yeah. It was just the coaching and yep. the unity yep. that this team yep. needs. Exactly. Yeah. So. And then Cade York, I got to shout him out that he's the first player ever in LSU history as a kicker to, to be drafted. drafted. Yep. And he was drafted by the Browns in the fourth round with the 19th Which is pick. crazy because I think Cole Tracy should have gotten drafted. And he's still not on a team, which is beyond me. But Kickers matter, man. They do. Look <laughs> at Evan McPherson last exactly. year. Exactly. We saw how crucial he was for the Bengals. And then lastly, I want to shout out Damone Clark. I know he won't be playing in the NFL this season due to injury, but he did get drafted by the Dallas Cowboys some with them linebackers from LSU that the, the Cowboys like. They they got Jabril Cox last year. I, I, yes, we did. And yeah. you know what? My mom made me take a picture with him, and I'm so glad she did now yeah, exactly. because I got to post it. And I was a like, Cowboy Dallas Cowboys. I'm a Cowboys fan for those of you who do not know. But oh, I was very time. excited when he got drafted. Right. Well, that is going to wrap it up for the Hodges huddle. It's been Patricia Caputo and Ripley Cupid. special guest today wide receiver jack besh how are you jack i'm doing well how are y'all doing good good all right so we're going to start off with some questions i'll start off first i just want to talk about before you committed you originally committed to vanderbilt what was your what made you decide to go to vanderbilt in the first place basically my i had some like i did good in high school and stuff Mm -hmm. but i just didn't get recruited that much Mm -hmm. until like the end of my senior year i got like all the offers i really wanted but basically, the reason I went to Vanderbilt, that was my only SEC offer. So I was going to show, like, all these SEC schools that, like, they, like, messed up not by recruiting me, offering me. So that was, like, my mentality. I was going to go to Vanderbilt. Even if they weren't that good, I was going to do my thing and, like, show these different schools, like, here. Right. Like, Bama, Auburn, Florida, all these different schools. Like, mm-hmm. they should have recruited me and stuff like that. And then you got offered by Princeton, and that's where your brother went at the time, right? Mm-hmm. Was there ever a thought of going there? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't think I kind of okay. I kind of want to play a little bit bigger football. Than, okay. Than that. And then when you got when you heard from LSU that you were going to get offered, what emotions went through your head at that moment? 
Yeah, I mean, LSU was always my dream school. My uncles played here. Uh, my best, or one of my, yeah, my best friend Walker, he was committed here. Um, and then we had a little thing going in high school, me and Walker. Uh, like, he was my QB. I was obviously his receiver, stuff like that. So we had a good connection already. So I knew once he got here, it was just going to build and grow from there. So I knew once LSU offered me, it was kind of wraps. Yeah, Jack. So just kind of talk about when Brian Kelly was hired here, uh, when he met with the team, what were your like first impressions with him? And just kind of tell us what you thought about him. Yeah, I love Coach Kelly. Um, like I have a really good relationship with him. And I know like almost everybody on the team has a great relationship with him. Um, he's a great leader, a great head coach. Like he puts a lot of the responsibility on us as players which I think like instead of like having people hold our hand and walk us through different things, I think like him, you know, letting us like we have these little SWAT teams where like there's captains that lead like a group of like 10 to 12. Um, I think it's cool. Like he lets like us like account for the team instead of like having coaches account for the team. Like we got to do it ourselves, which just like builds us up even more as a team and as like as, as a unit. So I think like that aspect of what he does brings in like a pretty cool thing. And then when Ed Ogeron got fired, was there? Did you ever contemplate on possibly entering the transfer portal and going to a different school? Um, my whole plan was I was going to see who we got, mm -hmm. um, and but I mean I never really thought about leaving. I love LSU. It's not really I love Coach Hull, everything they did for me. He gave me the opportunity to play here, obviously. But for me, it was like it's you don't really go, you don't pick a school because of like who's there, mm -hmm. you pick a school for the school. So right. like LSU is still LSU mm -hmm. for me. So I never really thought about leaving. And then can you just talk about the discipline that Coach Kelly has instilled off the field with the little time that he's been here? Yeah, I mean, I've already seen like huge growth in our team, like off the field, um, like going back to the accountability stuff. Like we kind of get marked for everything we do, going to class, tutoring appointments, taking our vitamins, drinking like our protein shakes after workout. Um, like all this different stuff. So like he's doing it like he's building it up piece by piece, step by step. So like he's not throwing everything at us once so we could kind of handle it, then we can handle it uh, around with each other. So I mean, he's done like, like I said, I've already, it's like night and day difference. So you're going into the season with a new coach and a new position. How is, how tough has it been switching from the tight end position to wide receiver position? So it was really, it was really like opposite. It was hard switching from receiver to tight end. So switching back to receiver, that's like what I've always like done. I've learned my whole life from different people. My brother, my uncle who coached in the NFL with like receivers like Des Bryant, Mawari um, Cooper, all those people. Um, so I've really been learning all like the nuances in and outs of the game at receiver my whole life. So it was really like the switch from receiver to tight end. That was hard for me. Mm -hmm. Not tied in back to receivers. So it's been good. Everything's been smooth. Love Coach Hank. Um, shout out to Coach Lance, my high school coach. He taught me a bunch as well. But it's been good, though. It's been fun. And now that you are in the receiver room, how do you feel about the quarterback situation right now? Yeah, I feel like really any four of them, you know, everybody has their own strengths and weaknesses. Um, you know, it's going to depend on how our offenses run, which is going to be decided, like, throughout the summer and fall camp. Um, if they, it's like a pocket passer, um, you know, like a dual threat, um, you know, somebody that could do a little bit of both. Um, it's really just going to depend on who has the best summer. I think it's beside in fall camp. But like I said, everybody has their own abilities that are good and, and weak. So, I mean, 
I don't know. I think any four, to me, any four can start. Any four can ball, can play. But So I'm excited to see who gets the starting spot because nobody. I don't even think the head man knows who who's, <laughs> is yeah. going to be starting day one. And this looks like a pretty good wide receiver core this season, especially with Kayshawn Boutte coming back. What do you bring to this core that is different than everyone else? I just think it's like a couple of us, um, just like leadership, trying to get everybody going when we can. Um, you know, if we're down, pick them back up. Um, and always just stay consistent. I feel like, you know, like you have good days, you have bad days, but you kind of got to stay level. Um, and I feel like I'm, I'm pretty good at staying level, you know, and, and keeping everybody's head right there. Um, but just like the quarterbacks, everybody in the receiver room has their own, you know, abilities, mm-hmm. their um, weaknesses and strengths. So, I mean, um, yeah, I guess just some of mine, and those are some of mine, just, you know, leading and mm-hmm. going out on the field, giving it my all and all that stuff. I mean, can you just talk a little bit about Brian Thomas Jr. and – how he has gotten better over the spring. I heard a lot of good things about mm-hmm. him. Um, yeah, both Brian and Malik have, I mean, they're going to be phenomenal. They're f- not going to be, they are phenomenal players. They're going to be, you know, first-round draft picks within the next couple of years. So it's awesome being able, to, being able to play, like, alongside with them and even learn some things from them. Hopefully I can teach them a few things too. But they're dogs straight up. They're great, uh, you know, big, tall, strong receivers. Go up and get it whenever the ball's in the air. Um, route running is on point, um, speed, quickness, they have they have everything in the toolbox. So it's real fun playing with them. So this is kind of a question of the past, but did you play for bootleggers? Yeah. You did with Malik mm-hmm. and uh, LaTerrence and mm-hmm. all those guys. Yeah. So just kind of tell us what is, you know, the benefit of playing against such great competitors that are you, that are going, you know, are, are playing right now the best comp, comp in the nation pretty much. Yeah. So, like, with all, like – it's weird how it is, but, like, with football growing up, like, you know all these top players from every school just from the 77 circuits. It's like kind of like basketball from the 77 circuits, from high school ball, from going to camps. Like, you, we know all the kids from Bama to Georgia. Obviously, we all know all the kids that are going to come here. So, like, we're all – we already all know each other. So, like, it's always fun going, to like, up against each other because you never know where they're going to end up, if you're going to be teammates with them one day or if they're going to be your biggest rival, like, over at Bama yeah. or something like that. So, I mean – it's always fun. So definitely growing up, going against all those guys um, is a blast. It's what how we got better. It's iron sharpens iron. So, I mean, that's how we really got – that's how we get good, learn different moves, routes, because you always got to think and create new ways to right. get separation. So it's cool. Definitely yeah. going up, up against all those kids growing up. And then how has Brian Kelly really helped you with your offense? You know, did he open up anything new with your game bringing or – uh, your new wide receiver coach that came from Georgia. Yeah, Coach Hank, he's taught us a bunch already, and it's only been like three months. He's already taught us, like, um, you know, like he gave us a whole new look on the game, um, really about just like grit, just always going to get what's yours, never letting somebody like take reps or just, just always just being like that dog mentality I was talking about. He just – he knows like he's from New Orleans, so he's like a homebody. Um, you know, so like that obviously always helps because he kind of instills in us like what we're working for. Like we play for LSU. Um, all these kids look up to us, you know, like all the kids from New Orleans, um, really everywhere. Um, like they all look up to us as definitely as wide receivers, um, being with Coach Hank. So I mean, it's, it's, they've really taught us a bunch. And Coach Kelly definitely likes to use his slot receivers a lot. Um, so it's going to be a lot of fun. And you think you would be a slot? Yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah I'm more of a slot, slot guy. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, so last week we talked a little bit about number seven and number 18. So what do those numbers mean to you? 
obviously seven is every kid's dream. Everybody knows seven at LSU. I mean, it doesn't matter if you're in California or if you're in New York. Like, everybody knows who seven is at LSU. So, obviously, seven is a dream number. You know, that's just like another dream. You get here, that's a dream come true. You get seven, that's a dream come true. You get drafted, dream come true. So, I mean, definitely wearing seven would be definitely, like, pretty cool. Um, I don't know who's going to get it this year. That would be something for, like, the upcoming years. And then 18 is obviously, like, the leader of the team who kind of, like, builds everybody up. Um, and 18 is also, like, a dream number. Like, And that's, like, I told people, that's the only way I'm going to change my number is if I get handed seven or 18. Mm -hmm. So, I mean – Definitely, that would be really cool to be able to work for that. But, I mean, it comes with a lot more than just getting the number. You really got to come on that stage and really have to, like, know how to use that platform you have. So. Right. And we've talked a lot about you developing over the past three months, but can we talk about your development from high school to college? Because some say that is the hardest tr transition an athlete could ever go through. So what was it difficult for you just becoming a regular college student and then along with going into the football program and all that entailed. Yeah, we, um, the school, um, I'm, I'm not too bad at school, so especially, like, the help from our tutors and stuff like that, um, whenever we need help, we have a great academic support team, so, like, they have made it, like, a smooth transition for us until we can kind of pick it up on our own. Um, and then the football side of it, for me, football is a game. It's always, has been, always will be a game. So that transition wasn't hard. I mean, I was going against kids. Like, I was always, I'm, like, always kind of, like, since I'm a receiver, tight end, whatever you call it, I was always, like, just as big, if not bigger, than who was guarding me. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it didn't really – the transition for me and for, like, I know for Malik, PT, Chris, all of us, it really wasn't that hard because, like he said, we've been playing against competition like that our whole life. So, I mean, whenever we get on, on a big national platform and stage like Bama or something like that, it just kind of, like, it, it's not really that big of a difference. I mean, obviously the kids are a lot bigger, faster, stronger. Um, right. Like the linebackers and stuff like that, but I mean, besides that, the transition wasn't like mm -hmm. what everybody, I guess, thinks it should be. It's definitely hard, but yeah. So I know you and Mason Smith are really close, and yeah, so that's my other roommate. Yeah. So just explain to me like what it's like to have a guy like him on defense, where you could just really rely on him to get a stop. Yeah. Just, you yeah, know, on the other side of the ball, right. just someone to rely on. Yeah. Him. I mean, that's one of my best friends that I made here at LSU. It's my roommate now. Um, you know, like. We're like brothers now, but yeah, it's you, he's always causing havoc. So I mean, I'm happy I don't play on the other team as him, so I don't get hit by him or something like that. But um, but yeah, no, he's always in the backfield. He's always having at least two, three people on him, so it opens up like the whole defense for, for different packages, like different blitz packages, different coverages. Um, and like I was talking about Brian and Malik and them, like he's definitely gonna be you know, top draft pick within the next coming years. So it's awesome, you know, being his friend, being able to live with him, and then also seeing his craft and his work on the field and how hard he works. And we talked about the quarterbacks this season, but eventually, possibly in your time here at LSU, Walker Howard is going to be the starting quarterback. And he is one of your best friends. You've talked about it before. Is Would that just be a full circle moment for both of you? Is Was that the plan when you both committed here that you would eventually play together? Um, yeah, no, it definitely is a plan. Um, things are going to fall how things are going to fall. Um, you know, I think once he gets his shot and his turn, it's going to be when he's ready for it and he's really going to fulfill that moment and fulfill that spot. Um, and, yeah, I mean, obviously the goal always was to win a national championship here together. Um, mm -hmm. You know, but, yeah, we'll just see how things, how things work because now, you know, Nuss is one of my really good friends too, so. I, I like the sound of that, a national championship together. That'd definitely be nice. Definitely coming soon. And you're – so, 
so NIL, you know, how has that allowed you to, you know, kind of help yourself out, you know, just a little bit and just kind of explain what it means to you as a college athlete. Yeah. And I, it's, it, for me, it really was like, like we'll pack out Tiger Stadium with like 105,000 people like to watch us. And to be honest, I never really even cared about NIL. Like, it's cool that we have it now. We can make money for like doing simple things like yeah. reposting stuff on Instagram or something. Right. But like, I never really, like, the, that really was just a thing that was going to be cool if it did happen or didn't happen. But I mean, yeah. Since it since it happened now, I kind of I don't like it like distracting me or anything like that. So um, I definitely do it and partake in it. But I try to keep it separate, like football and that. And when it's time to play ball, like during, during the summer and during the season, like I'm gonna not do as much. Maybe like a couple mm-hmm. things. But I'm really just gonna focus on you know football because it's the money you have now is fun with nil. But like whenever you sign that first contract in the league, that's kind of the money you're looking for would you say that it's helped you save along the way so if you do get to the league or when you do get to the league that you'll know like how to operate with your money and how to like yeah definitely I try to put like a lot like almost all the money I have into savings nice okay all right awesome the final question I have for you is what do you want to tell your opponents this season maybe Nick Saban is listening (laughs) well I guess that we're coming for y'all's head. It's a way <laughs> different season, and you know we're, we have we definitely have a really good squad. I think these next couple of years are going to be special, and we're definitely going to bring a Natty back to BR. So I'm excited for it. That's great. We're gonna we're counting on that. <laughs> and that is all for our podcast today here with Jack Besh. Thank you so much, Jack. I am Patricia Caputo. Joining me with Andre Champagne, Ripley Cupid. This has been the Hodges Huddle.